Hi. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm Sam. And I'm Bart. Welcome to Date Night at the Coffee Shop, our podcast where we talk about things and drink coffee. Exactly. Um, We're so glad you guys want, you know, decided to join us today. Um, We've got some cool stuff to talk about. We've got what smells like some really great coffee to try. Oh, I haven't even smelled um, it yet. <laughs> I, I smelled the beans before I ground them. You made this bold, didn't you? Always. Always. You gotta, so. you gotta go easy on the boldness there. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got some cool stuff to talk about. Uh, today we're talking about jazz. Mm-hmm. The history of jazz and just kind of how that stuff came to be. Yeah. Um, this, this was really educational for me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a lot of fun to talk about. Um, it's really interesting. I didn't understand half of like the technical stuff, so I took a lot of it out. And if you have things to add, you can add, and I've got some questions. Okay, I'll do my best <laughs> to answer from uh, the my uh, vast, depleted knowledge of uh, You are in jazz band. You have been in multiple jazz bands. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I studied it for a time, but I also haven't really used any of it, so it's, it's you know, it's been a while. Um, but I'll, I'll do my best. Putting you to the test here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so... Updates. Talk, updates, yeah. So last episode was our dogs episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we Left it on it, a cliffhanger. We did. We released it on National Dog Day. Um, we also left a cliffhanger open of will we get another dog or won't we get another dog. So we decided we should um, go ahead and let you guys know how that turned out. Some of you already know. Um, we did, in fact, get a new dog since our last episode. Yeah, we did. His name is Zeus. And he is, um, we have been told he's a full-blooded Alaskan or Siberian, Siberian Husky. Husky. He's a um, little big for that. He's pretty big, yeah. He's about 70 pounds. Um, so, who knows? He's gorgeous. He's really sweet. Um, and everybody's kind of getting along yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, for the most part. There's been a little, a few hiccups, but that's to be expected, you know, with changing up the order of things. Absolutely. Um, but so that's dynamics have got to change. Yes. I'm going to get you get another one next year on National Dog Day 2. Mm, I don't know about that. Did you hear... I know this is like bleeding into like important time, but did you know that there is a couple who has adopted a dog every year that they've been married? That sounds like a terrible idea. So they, well, they adopt some seniors, so like they don't still have all the dogs. But like, yeah. Mm. We should do that. We, we have catching up to do. We've been we married for 12 years, that. so we're behind by nine. We are not doing that. Yes. No. Let's make it happen. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but anyway, so today, we got to get to our coffee. This is a coffee podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, so today, oh, our yeah. coffee is uh, Sumatra Peru Mashup by Boyer's Coffee. Um, this is a... Boyer's is a, um, is a, a roaster, and I haven't really tried any of their other stuff. I've seen this mashup on the shelves. I think we found this at Walmart. Yeah, we did. Um, it comes in a black bag. This label, Sumatra plus Peru mashup. It is a dark roast coffee. Um, and it's got, let's see, the description here. 
the art of art and science of fusing two or more single origins into one awesome coffee. That's kind of like the mashup motto there. Um, tasting notes say bold and smoky with sweet stone fruits, chocolate, and floral tones. What are stone fruits exactly? That's a good question. All I know is that they that um, a lot of wine has stone fruit like tasting notes. So I'm pretty excited about this. You you Google that. Can yeah, we? Let's check this out. So what are? Yeah. Stone fruit. Stone fruit. What are they? Um, a fruit with flesh or pulp enclosing a stone, such as a peach, plum, or cherry. Or an avocado. I mean, technically, but it's not a fruit. <laughs> Um, is it though? But yeah, so basically anything with a pit. Cool. Okay. okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. It does. One mystery solved. Um, so Solving one mystery of the universe at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go ahead and try our uh, Sumatra Peru mashup by Boyer's Coffee. Okay. Let's see. Ooh, I like this one. Yeah? This that one, is good. This one's an eight. An eight? Wow. This okay. one is an eight. Just kind of jumped right in there then. Yes. This is really good. Even though it's good. super bold, it is so smooth. It is really smooth. Like, um, there's it's like ridiculous. No, no. No acidity. Oh my gosh. Like, this um, tastes like my normal, like, weak coffee that I can just drink. Yeah, this is really good. Oh my gosh. I don't even need to add creamer to this one. It, um, what? So you gave it an eight. Um, oh my gosh. I would give it, yeah, probably an eight too. Yeah. Um, it's it is nice and bold. It's got a really dark, um, heavy kind of flavor to it and oh aroma. My gosh. Um, I do. Let's see. This is so good. It doesn't even like. This is gonna sound bad, but like it doesn't even taste like coffee in that like you know, coffee has like this super strong like bitter you know what i mean like some mm -hmm. people some people really like like the jet fueled coffee you know yeah where i do i know you do but i love this this is so good honestly i th i think this might have been made a little weaker than usual than this i meant to because i ground it up in the i used our grinder mm -hmm. programmed it in and it seemed like it was just not as much grounds so I don't well, know this is the, perfect. The grinder, the grinder just stopped early or something. This is perfect. Keep um, doing it this way. I love this coffee. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. Um, but yeah, so eight, um, eight out of ten on the Sumatra Peru mashup. Mm -hmm. It is, it is really good. Very smooth. Absolutely. Um, I, I can, I get a, a taste of the smoky, some dark chocolate. I can taste some stone Do you, fruit. You taste the stone I fruit. I taste the stone fruit. I don't, not really, not really, but. Kind of like almost some cherry kind of flavors there. Mm, it's so good. Yeah, this is good. All right, so back to our actual topic today. Again, we're talking about jazz. The history of jazz. The history of jazz. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about it. What, what do we know about jazz? Okay, so I know very little. I am not an expert. But from what my rapid Googling has told me, I am about to tell you. I got a lot of this information from the wiki page mm -hmm. and from an article on The Conversation. So it's that's a website, like theconversation.com the or whatever. Um, what, what is that website? Theconversation.com. You mean like 
What, I don't know. What kind of website is it? No clue. I've never heard of it before. No, me neither. I was like, oh, cool. This is interesting. So, like, take that with a grain of salt. We're just hanging out, having a conversation. Be here. Don't. I mean, we like having you here. You know, whenever we look at our stats, I'm like, oh, my gosh, so many people listen. Anyways. Okay. Um, so, on February 26th of 1917 is what is generally known as the first recording of jazz. And I'm going to play a little bit for you. It is Livery Stable Blues. It's performed by the original Dixieland Jazz Band. Um, It was a best-selling record for Victor. Um, It's a bit problematic first, as it's a recording of a white band performing an African-American genre. So, like, it's, like, other people were playing this song, and then, like, like, white people like played it and recorded it and like profited off of it even though it it's already been done by other people it just wasn't recorded does that make sense right okay so um let's play some I love this. This is so fun. I love it. Um this is it's very reminiscent of ragtime to me. Yes. Um Yes. It's so, so like it's happy. It's happy. It's like a circus. Yes. It's, it's just fun. I love um, it. Okay, so you mentioned ragtime. So jazz originated in the African American communities of New Orleans um, in the late nineteenth and early twentieth centuries, with its roots in blues and ragtime. Right. So blues was birthed from a want to move away from spirituals or gospel songs. Um, an, an important uh, African-American composer who sought to reach a wide audience as a band leader was W.C. Handy, who sometimes called the father of the blues. Right. Um, early blues recordings of his compositions performed by white musicians are often called foxtrot, indicating that the foxtrot can be done to his songs. Um, so it was played like the song was played faster than normal blues. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it kind of. Putting the foxtrot kind of spin on it made it a little bit more upbeat, cheerful kind of yeah kind yeah. of feel to it. Hundred um, percent. Whereas blues is supposed to be a little bit more Slow, laid back, yeah. kind of. Hundred um, percent. So then, a wider range of instruments became more readily available, and ragtime came into play. So Ferdinand Joseph Lamotte, also spelled Lamoth, was born to a Creole family in New Orleans in about 1980. Um, according to his, his baptismal certificate, um, but other records differ on like his exact birth year. Um, so in New Orleans, a cre- Creole refers to French-speaking African Americans. He showed talent for performing music as a child and became a professional piano player at 14. Um, he came to be known as Jelly Roll Morton. Um, Morton began his career playing ragtime. What came to be called jazz or jazz emerged from ragtime and other musical influences such as blues, like we just talked about, um, often with additional instruments like brass. So Jelly Roll Morton liked to introduce himself by saying that he invented jazz, which this is a really interesting claim. Um, Some have doubted it, but his claim is actually the earliest. So... That's pretty interesting. So he right, so it's kind of hard to refute. No one else has said, hey, I, I did this. Right, exactly. Um, so he published Jelly Roll Blues in 1915, and this is thought to be the earliest example of sheet music, jazz right. sheet music. So I want to call this out just a little bit because some of you might be a little confused there. Um, so we've got 
he published this in 1915. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about the first recording was 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the... He didn't actually record anything. He just published the sheet music for Correct. the song. Correct. In 1915. So this Absolutely. was the first published of what would become known as jazz. jazz. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which, and it kind of furthers his claim that, like, he's written this sheet music and, like, it's starting to become a more popular genre. So I'll actually play Jelly Roll Blues right now. like this too yeah it's definitely i definitely feel that ragtime mm-hmm. kind of feel to it it's got that like silent movies kind of mm-hmm. feel so I like it. this was written first and then liberally livery stable blues was recorded after that so it makes the progression makes sense like if you listen to the different songs like it makes perfect sense right uh, um so since the 1920s jazz age, it's been recognized as a major form of musical expression in traditional and popular music linked by the common bonds of African-American and European-American musical parentage. Jazz is characterized by swing and blue notes, call and response vocals, polyrhythms, and improvisation. Jazz has roots in West, West African culture and musical expression and African-American music traditions. So this is where you come in. What are polyrhythms? All right, so polyrhythms are uh, basically the simplest way I can explain this. Please, simple. Right. simple. (laughs) So polyrhythms basically is when you have two different kinds of rhythms going on at the same time. Oh, that makes sense. Poly, more than one rhythm. Right, yeah, multiple rhythms. Uh, But they're they're like layered together. So this makes what I'm going to say later make much more sense in my head. Right, yeah. So in, in, in essence... The way it works, um, poly, good polyrhythms, they kind of play off each other too. So it's you take one rhythm, you lay it on top of another completely different rhythm, mm-hmm. and then it makes its own kind of mashup rhythm. Um, mashup! The <laughs> easiest, actually, yeah, yeah, perfectly. It yes. matches with our, with our coffee today. That's so cool. Um, we didn't even plan that. At least I didn't. Right. Um, <laughs> but the. The simplest way to kind of demonstrate it would be taking, say, triplets on one hand and eighth notes on another hand. So on one, you've got three notes going Mm -hmm. in the same place that you've got two notes. So it's going to sound kind of like this. Here's the triplets. And then here are the eighth notes. When you put those together, it sounds like... Oh, that's cool. If you listen, you can kind of pick out those triplets. Mm-hmm. Triplet, triplet, out there. Mm-hmm. And then you can eighth note. That, 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 that. That's so that's cool. that's a polyrhythm. That's okay. an example. Okay, that so makes sense. So we got the two, the two rhythms um, that are independently, like doing their own thing. Right, and then you put them together, and it makes like a completely different its sounding own rhythm. Too. Got it. Okay, that's really cool. That's awesome. Thank you. That actually makes, like I said, later on I have, yeah, makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, During the jazz age, despite its southern black origins, there was a larger market for jazzy dance music played by white orchestras. Um, In 1918, Paul Whiteman and his orchestra became a hit in San Francisco. He signed a contract with the label Victor and became the top band leader of the 1920s, hiring white musicians. So it kind of 
like, became more, like, racially motivated in, like, this era. Um, mm. So, and we'll get to, into it a little bit. And, and, not, and this right here is what I was saying about how it makes sense. So, in 1924, Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong. Um, joined the Fletcher Henderson Dance Band for a year as a featured soloist. The original New Orleans style was polyphonic with theme variation and simultaneous collective improvisation. Um, Armstrong was a master of his hometown style, but by the time he joined Henderson's band, he was already a trailblazer in a new phase of jazz. With its emphasis on arrangements and soloists, Armstrong's solos went beyond the theme improvisation concept and extemporized on chords rather than melodies. So this is what I wrote as like a translation. And let me see if I got it right. I think I did. Okay. So it says, like, like for all you non-music people out there, what that means is that most of the bands previously played was a collective improv where everyone played their own solo on top of each other within a structure. But Armstrong developed the idea of musicians playing during breaks that expanded into musicians playing, like, individual solos. So, like, they came together for a time and then they separated and, like, they had longer solos. Did I get that right? Um, yes, partly. Um, so most of it, most of what this is describing here, uh, the polyphonic really goes to that collection of multiple, um, improvisations going on at the same time. So Mm -hmm. polyphonic, much like polyrhythms, just means multiple, um, multiple phonics, but multiple, uh, voices, multiple melodies. Got it. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. So, um all going on at the same time so rather than playing like some chords and having like everybody playing a note in the chord they're actually doing something very independent from each other right it causes a lot of clash mm-hmm. in in the song i don't like that kind of jazz yeah it, i don't like that it's kind of jazz. very busy feeling um it, yeah. it's intense don't like um, that at but all. yeah so louis armstrong he kind of changed the the oh. game there from from going um where you're just making up a just a general melody mm-hmm. um and he focused more on like having a chord and then he would do a mel- like a, a small melody that would work inside that chord okay um so it made it a lot more cohesive right and like individual players got time to play their own yeah like thing inside exactly. the- that was okay. kind of a byproduct of it but okay yes. okay cool I'm kind of I'm glad I got that kind of right. That's awesome. Okay, so in the 1930s, uh, the 1930s belonged to popular swing bands in which some virtuoso soloists became as famous as the band leaders. Swing as a jazz style um, first appeared during the Great Depression. The optimistic feeling of swing lifted the spirits of everyone in America. By the mid 1930s, a period known as the Swing Era. Swing dancing had become our national dance, and big bands were playing this style of music. Orchestra leaders such as Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Fletcher Henderson, Paul Whiteman, and Benny Goodman led some of the greatest bands of the era. So I have a Duke Ellington thing I'm going to play. This is Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. So... like this a lot yeah this is this is nice it's nice and chill i love that yeah 
I, I really just love listening to Louis play. Yeah, I, um, I love that. He's a great trumpet player. Not the best tone, but just as, like, he, he you can just feel he's really into it. And he's so connected with what he's doing. There. Yeah, I, I like that. That one was, that was really pleasant to listen to. Um, so although it was a collective sound, Swing also offered individual musicians a chance to solo and improvise melodic, thematic solos, which could at times be complex, important music. Over time, social structures um, regarding race, racial segregation began to relax in America, and band leaders began to recruit musicians of different ethnicities. So like this also helped with like the sound, and it definitely like evolved and like pushed jazz and swing forward a lot. Right. Um, so one of the most significant figures in history, as I just mentioned him, um, and Edward Kennedy Duke Ellington was born on April 29th, 1899 in Washington, D.C. He began studying the piano at the age of seven. He started playing jazz as a teenager and moved to New York City to become a band leader. As a pianist, composer, and band leader, Ellington was one of the creators of the big band sound, which fueled the swing era. He continued leading and composing for his jazz orchestra until his death in 1974. Ellington plays the piano. This is a quote. Quote, Ellington plays the piano, but his real instrument is his band. Each member of his band is to him a distinctive tone, color, and set of emotions, which he mixes with others equally to dis- equally distinctive to produce a third thing, which I like to call the Ellington effect. End quote. Billy Strayhorn. So... I thought that was like like that's such a high compliment for a band leader. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's like the, that's that's the goal. Yeah, that's like I mean, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that is like the highest praise you could give a band leader. So I thought that was super interesting, and I actually I do like I like swing a lot. I yeah, swing is a lot of what's fun. What's the Lawrence Welk show? Do you remember that? The what? Lawrence Welk. Who's that? Oh my gosh! Like back so on PBS. Back whenever we were younger, like if you stayed oh, up late, I never late... really watched PBS. Oh, well, there's a reason why I do nuts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the nerd, but no, like on PBS, like late at night, there would be like the Lawrence Welk show, and it would just be like a swing band. Oh, that's cool. It was so cool. I loved it. I think that was his name. I'll have to look it up again. Anyways, that's what this reminded me of. Okay, so the outbreak of World War II marked a turning point for jazz. Yet again, um, the swing era jazz of the previous decade had challenged other popular music as being representative of the nation's culture, with big bands reaching the height of, six style, of the style's success in the early 40s. Swing acts and big bands traveled with U.S. military overseas to Europe, where it also became popular. Stateside, however, the war presented difficulties for the big band format. Um, conscription shortened the number of musicians available. The military's need for materials, um, limited record production, a short shortage of rubber discouraged bands from touring via road travel, and a demand by the musicians' union for a commercial recording ban limited music distribution between 1942 and 1944. So that sucks. Like there was like a recording ban because of various reasons and all this kind of stuff. So. Um, and then also in the early 1940s, due to the war and some fracturing ideas, bebop developed. It was faster and more complicated than anything that had come before. 
Um, This was the first time jazz audiences sat down and listened, moving out of the dance halls and into smoky bars. Jazz was becoming more art music instead of, like, you know, performing or whatever. Yeah. Bebop gets a little wild. Okay, so I have something by Dizzy Gillespie. It's called Cool Breeze. Um, This is intense. Yeah, you can... The thing I like about this kind of stuff, and when it started moving into this, um, it wasn't so much about just, like I said, getting in a dance hall and just moving. It was more... It was more about actually being able to analyze it, listen listen to that song. The more you listen to it, the more you'll find in it. Oh, I like um, that. That's yeah. a good quote. That's it's, good. It's Put really, that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 really fun. It's it it makes it a lot more interesting. Like it said, like you said, to actually like you sit down. And, it was and a performance. It. it was a performance, not like a communal thing. Right. Yeah. I, I I like I like that too. Actually. Um. So just as bebop musicians were getting the hang of their new ideas, the musicians' union in the U.S. enforced, like I said, a ban on new commercial recordings as part of a dispute over royalties. For more than a year, starting in August 1942, almost no instrumental musicians were permitted to make new recordings. Mind you, I said instrumental. Vocalists were, rather humorously, um, not considered musicians, which, to all of my vocalist friends, I apologize. That's not true. Um, So, vocalists were exempt from the band. Mm -hmm. Band from the band. So, I mean, that makes it kind of cool because they got to keep doing it but on the same time like that's kind of insulting (laughs) yeah yeah backhanded compliment right there um so from this split in the early 40s between jazz as art music and popular music with vocal focus the history of jazz follows the art branch and the other branch is turning into the history of rock and roll and pop and all that kind of stuff so here this is what i have extrapolated and kind of like this is like my thought process is here in this split is where you like to be um bart with like frank sinatra dean martin mr bubble um like sam i know like he recorded much later but his style's the same um sammy davis jr like etc so like here at this split wherever it's kind of like both art and like and like a pop music kind of thing Mm -hmm. That's where, if I'm not mistaken, you like to hang out. Yeah, like ninety percent of the time, especially if I'm like driving around by myself, <laughs> I've got some Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin playing yeah. almost constantly. Um, it's so romantic when you cook me dinner and like you sing Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just so good, so impactful, so beautiful. Yeah, and I you may know. So right here is also where like Peggy Lee and like Rosemary Clooney and things like that are as well, right? Um, I would assume so. Pretty close. Okay. Um, of course, theirs was obviously and like more bubble. like cinematic, like but. Michael Blue, like Michael Bublé. Like he is much later, but he follows the same style. Yeah. Yeah, the same like he mimics this this style and like Harry Harry Connick Jr. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so 
moving on to like jazz. Um, jazz musicians tend to like not stay in one genre too long. So out of the rejection of the fast-paced, complex bebop um, emerged the late um, 40s new West Coast jazz. So it's cool jazz, and it had a more relaxed tempo with less focus on soloing and a return to ensemble playing. Now, if we're talking about just jazz, I really like this style of jazz. This is, like, my fave. Right, the cool jazz? Yes. So this is... Let me play some for you. Um, so I'm playing Miles Davis, Round Midnight. I love this. Yeah, it's very... So much. It's very chill. Um, it's something you really just... It's really designed more to like, kind of sit and experience, almost kind of have it going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's very soothing, um, calm, yeah. ethereal. Yes, I love that. That's like, I could fall asleep to that. It's just so yeah, great. You can. I could fall asleep to it, but that's kind of the problem. I wouldn't. <laughs> I couldn't really listen to it for long. I love it. So some notable. Um, Musicians around this time are Chet Baker, Dave Brubeck, uh, Bill Evans, Gil Evans, they're not related, um, Stan Getz, and of course Miles Davis, who I, I just played. Right. So That's the kind of stuff you put on your record player while you're making dinner or something, like yes. you put it on in the background and yes. just kind of go about. I don't know if we have any jazz vinyls or not. We probably we've do. Got a, we've got a few. But I want some more. Yeah, I know. I know. If we could get some of uh, the... Miles Davis on there. Like, that made me sleepy. That's, like, perfect. <laughs> Sorry. Drink more coffee. Okay, so um, that shift caused another reaction, resulting in what's known as hard bop. Um, it fuses bebop practices with R&B, gospel, and blues. Um, and it's generally recognized as the default style, and it's practiced and taught around the world today. So this is kind of where we've stopped, where jazz is stopped. And, you know, this is where it's... It's become. So I'm going to play John Coltrane's uh, Locomotion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can definitely you can get that bebop kind of feel, but it's a lot more it's a lot more punchy, mm-hmm. um, fast paced kind of. Yeah, it's almost like a return to it to its roots. Where I don't want to call it ragtime, but like it's like you said, it's a lot like bebop. But I can also like I don't know, I can feel it feels different than bebop. Yeah, it's it's a lot more driving. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. So, so that's kind of the pinnacle. That's kind of where jazz evolved to kind of stop being jazz. At that point, the art form changed into something else, right? Correct. Yeah. And Absolutely. that would be R&B, mm-hmm. gospel. Yeah. It kind and of then, like loops back around to the like to the pop and vocal. Right. Vocal track. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's like the history of jazz. That's what I found. Um, what what was your favorite style? My favorite style is probably. Mm, I don't know. It's really hard for me to pick. I mean, honestly, probably. Um, probably swing. Mm, yeah, swing is a lot of fun. Yeah. I think with jazz, like... For, yeah, if I had to pick one, probably swing, big band. I'm, like, so that I feel like that's a trick question, right? I asked you a trick question because I feel like jazz is one of those things that you pick your favorite based on, like, the mood that you're in. Exactly. It's one of the most versatile. Now, granted, there's all of these different sub-genres inside of it, like we've been talking about. But that's the great thing about jazz is that it's so varied. Mm-hmm. You can listen to anything. Yeah. Like like whatever you're feeling, whatever you're you're looking for, you can find it in a jazz genre. That's true. That's true. That's a really good point. Because like even at that split, like if you want vocal, if you want to like sing along to something, you can definitely do that with like with swing. You know, with like the swing part where it you know shifts. Yeah. And splits into like two different you know um, tracks. Right. So that's really cool. So that's that's basically what I have. Do you have any musical things to add about jazz? Um, not really. Um, other than it's just, you know, incredibly impactful to American music. I mean, it's really like the first, um, really American music. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to jazz coming on the scene, everything like the standard, the like the, everything that everybody wanted to try to emulate came from like Europe. Yeah. Um, with like Bach, Beethoven, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like classical. That's a good point, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's organic. Like it comes out of like our like not so pleasant history, but like it definitely comes like not you know it comes out of like a really challenging place but it's like super organic it's it was born from like the downtrodden parts of america at that time um that's really where it conceptualized and then grew from there yeah um and i feel like you can really hear a lot of that when you listen to it you can kind of feel the struggle um yeah and like yeah yeah like because it because it's a a marrying of like i said like blues and ragtime like and how i I really liked what, you know, what in the articles that I read, it talked about, like, swing became, like, the national style of music mm-hmm. because it was, um, it, it helped during, like, the Depression and during, like, the start of, like, the war and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it helped everybody come over, um, come through, like, what was one of the most horrible times mm-hmm. for, like, everybody Mm -hmm. like something that really affected the entire nation Mm -hmm. and it really was there to help heal everybody yeah and like blues too like whenever like we talked a second about like how blues came out like blues like came out out of like you know wanting to move away from like spirituals and like gospel songs and like have a more um what's um what's not religious what's the other secular secular yeah have like a secular outlet for a lot of like really tough stuff so i mean i i just love it i think it's super poetic super beautiful oh yeah it's like awesome yeah i love it um so i think definitely there's there's a lot here i mean you could really find enough to talk about it for forever but 
we've hit a lot of the high points there. Yeah, and I just wanted to get into the history because if I had, because on the Wikipedia page, it actually has like different, um, like note. I don't know, like different measures that you can listen to mm-hmm. of like different types of jazz and different types of rhythms and things like that. Right. And so it gets really technical and in-depth, which is not something I'm about. Like not right. the not the in-depth part. <laughs> well, it sounds fun to me. Um, so I encourage you all to go check it out if that's something you're interested in. Um, and just kind of to call to some of the roots of jazz um new orleans is a very important place for jazz Mm -hmm. um i think we've talked a little bit about it i think we're going to need to do an episode on new orleans soon yeah for sure and then go to new orleans i like it (laughs) yeah we have to do research we have to do like we're gonna take this podcast on the road and have it be um an ethnography like we're gonna do ethnographic research and where we go out and we like study where we are. It's gonna be like very anthropological. Love it. I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Let's do it. Also, I <laughs> think we should do some. Um, we should we should do rock and roll. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially after this. Oh yeah, yeah um, yeah yeah. Kind of catch it off of that split there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's our topic talking about jazz. Um, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of cool stuff to listen to. Um, I actually had examples today, so that was fun. I know. I, I did like that. That You saying, like, rock and roll led me to, like, the pilgrimage and, like, Foo Fighters and then the um, Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Yeah. 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 That's kind of my mind. That's where my mind yeah, went. So and we I just checked out the Pilgrimage Music Festival last year in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Highly cool recommend it. There. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they canceled this year due to COVID, but um, hopefully they'll be back in action next year and yeah. we'll most definitely go yeah for sure um, a lot of fun a lot of really cool acts a lot of eclectic acts mm-hmm. like like, you, like we said the preservation hall jazz band and foo fighters where else are you going to find stuff like that at I the know. same venue so cool but i did like that jazz band i liked it a lot yeah they're a lot of fun yeah. um but yeah that's it so we talked about jazz um again our coffee today was Sumatra Peru mashup by Boyer's Coffee. It's so good. Um, it is really good. Go pick it up. You can find it at Walmart. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess we'll wrap up. Um, a lot of changes. Um, all our dogs are in here laying on the floor like a bunch of bums. I know. Um, but we've got a, a big pile of fur in here now. <laughs> um, so everybody welcome Zeus to the family. Yeah, to the... What should we call our listeners? Should we call them coffee pods? Hmm. I don't know. That's bean pods. What do you want us to call you, people? We'll we'll, we'll think about that. <laughs> think on that. Uh, but we're anyways, gonna put a pin in that. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, email us anytime. Date night coffee shop at gmail dot com. Send us some ideas. Send us some coffee, uh, coffees to try. Some things to talk about. Um, Check us out on the gram. Yeah, Instagram, at Date Night at the Coffee Shop. Uh, go follow us there. Uh, we're trying to post some pretty pretty funny stuff there, some pretty good stuff. Um, hope you guys like it. Uh, but other than that, just keep listening. We're really thankful for you guys. Yes. Um, we really Again, appreciate the... I come off as sassy, but I'm so glad that you're here. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's been great. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. And hope to see you guys soon.
All right. Bye. Bye.